0: Genealogy is a popular topic right now. Ancestry.com, finding your roots, DNA samples. We're, we're all kind of fascinated with that. The Bible is one genealogical record of God's people. Francis Schaeffer used to say, I love reading the genealogies. Those are my ancestors. I can remember when I was pastoring that sometimes when the readings had those long lists of names, the person reading was intimidated by that. And they would name the first name like Ahaz, and they would say, and uh, so-and-so begat Ahaz, and he had a whole lot of family with him, and it was their way of avoiding all of those names. But they're important. They're all a part of us. Our human ancestry begins in the book of Genesis, and in chapter 3 is a defining moment. Adam and Eve choose to trust in themselves rather than in God. What they did altered the human race for all time. It's like it changed our DNA. At our core, we are radically self-centered people. Jesus opened a way back to God, equally as radical. It is so radical and complete that the only way we can describe it is we are born again. It's not we were improved or we had a few modifications or additions, It's so radical, we are born again. We are now called children of God. But that didn't erase our human lineage in Adam and Eve. We're like immigrants with dual citizenship. We have one foot in the old country and one foot in the new country. This was all brought home to me so forcefully a couple of weeks ago at St. Andrews. We go to the first service. and At 9 a.m., Robert was speaking from Exodus 32 about the golden calf. Moses comes to the mountain, sets the people up in camp, goes up on the mountain to be with God, doesn't seem to come back in the time they think he ought to. And the people do what they did in Genesis 3. They take matters into their own hands. Here, Aaron, make us a golden calf. We don't know what happened to Moses or where he is, but we're ready to take charge and go on. And the tragic results that followed. Then, at the next hour, at 10 o'clock, Bill Elkins, who's one of the best teachers I've ever sat under, led a Sunday school class on Paul's phrase, in Christ. Paul uses that phrase 10 times more than any others, in fact, maybe 10 times more than all his other phrases to describe our new status in Christ and in the whole New Testament. It's his most popular phrase, and we're going through so many of the things to talk about all we have in Christ not all that we can earn or not all that we're rewarded with but all that we have we are truly new creatures in Christ and I left church just kind of reeling between the two we are in the world and we are in Christ we now we need to keep both of these teachings in mind to keep us on track but we especially at certain times of the year, we need to stop and think about where do we come from? It's easy to forget that some of the saddest verses in Scripture start with the phrase, but they forgot. A a critical turning point comes after Israel gets into the promised land, and Joshua's there, and he leads them, and then he dies. And in the book of Judges, around the second chapter, it says, And there arose a generation who knew not Joshua, nor the the folks, the leaders who brought them out of Egypt. And and they went a whole other way. They just went off the rails. They forgot where they came from. Ash Wednesday is the beginning of a season of remembrance. Remember where we came from. It wasn't pretty. Most of us have a recollection. We have a story. We have a strong memory of what life was like before Christ and how desperate we were. We remember how all our efforts only made things worse. We just dug a hole deeper. We weren't able to work out of things. We needed help. And then Christ came. Ash Wednesday is a chance to remember that we are still perfectly capable of making a mess of things. We are perfectly capable of reenacting Exodus 32 in our own lives right now. We can turn around and walk away because we still have a foot in the old country. Ash Wednesday is a chance to remember that until Christ returns, we're going to live in these two worlds. And yes, most of the time we're going to be talking about who is Christ, what has he done for us, because for many of us, we just fail to appreciate all that God has given us. But it's a dangerous thing to forget where we came from. Our reading from Joel is a reminder to keep our humanity in mind. Joel uses hardship to, as Eugene Peterson says, to prize the people away from their indifference and their complacency and their routines. And any hardship will do. It was locust then. It can be COVID now. It can be health. It can be employment. It can be our family. Eugene Peterson summarizes Joel like this. Hardship keeps us from presumption. Grace keeps us from despair. We need both. Yes, most of the time, we need to be reminded of who Christ is and what he has done for us. How being in Christ is such a magnificent thing. But we will go off the rails if we forget. You know, I really needed Christ. And at some point in the church here, I need to stop and say, I was a mess. And and I want to remember again what life was like and say, thank you, Jesus, for coming. You know, every Sunday we get to sing the doxology. I'm so grateful for that. It's one of those little little points for me, those pivot points where when I sing that in a service, no matter what else has been said or done, it's a chance to stop and say, you know, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here and below. But I don't want to forget Ash Wednesday. I, we don't need Ash Wednesday every week. We don't need to line up every week and have somebody tell us, remember that you were a sinner. But you know, I'm so grateful that every year, somebody looks me in the eye and they take ashes and they smear those things in a little cross on my forehead. And they say to me, remember that you're dust. And to dust you shall return. I need that. Because if I don't hear that, it wouldn't take very much for me to think that God loves me because I deserve it. Thank you, Ash Wednesday and the season of Lent, for giving me and each of us a chance to remember. I want to close with Luther's prayer, his closing prayer at the end of his commentary on the book of Joel. O Eternal Father of our Lord and Liberator Jesus Christ, we know what is the lot of thy church in this life and the manifold troubles she must endure from Satan and the world. Therefore we pray thee for the sake of this thine only begotten Son, that thou wouldst above all strengthen our minds by the Holy Spirit, so that we shall not succumb in so many dangers, And then that thou wouldst frustrate the plans of the enemies and by thy faithful and marvelous help wouldst declare to all the world that thou watchest over thy church and wilt rule, protect, and save her who livest and rulest one God, one eternal God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen.